Hey guys, welcome back to a special episode today. I am Chandra Sangat, your modern medicine woman, and I'm here to help heal the collective. And I'm Alyssa Apostle, cosmic truth seeker, here to assist you in deciphering your soul's astrological blueprint. So what's today's episode about? We've got a special treat for you. We've brought in one of our friends, Steve. He lives in Texas. And we're having a conversation today about his Chiron and Aquarius in the second house. So it'll be a really good revisit to the concepts we talked about in Chiron and Taurus and Chiron and Aquarius, but it's in human form, just hearing about his life experiences. But you can hear the themes of those Chirons throughout his life experiences. So it's a really beautiful conversation. And we hope you really enjoy it. Thanks for being here. Welcome, Welcome to the Aquamoon Dream Dreamers. Dream Beamers. Beam Dreamers. <laughs> Welcome to the Aquamoon Beam, Beam Dreamers, Dreamers podcast. <laughs> we redefine the relationship to yourself so you can reset the foundations for the other relationships in your life. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to our astrology rants and raves. If you're interested in hearing what we have to say about your own chart, we offer live coaching sessions and recorded readings specifically designed to decode your astrological blueprint. Check out the links below to book with us. Welcome everyone. Today we have Steve joining us. Say hi, Steve. Hello everyone. So Steve's Chiron is in the second house of Taurus in Aquarius. So today's conversation will be a good blend of two of our previous episodes if you want to go back and revisit Chiron and Taurus or Chiron and Aquarius. But today we'll we'll pick the aqua mind of Steve because he has both his Chiron and Mercury in Aquarius in the second house. So we'll hear his Chiron storyline of where his values in relating to resources meets his vision of the collective ideal. So last episode, we talked a lot about the air sign of Aquarius ruling the collective mind and having Chiron in this placement can give a certain susceptibility to the ideas and ideals of society. So we'll begin with a very broad scoped Aquarian question for you, Steve. How has your life view or worldview changed from childhood until now? Like if you just give like a broad scope of like maybe each decade of your life, like your worldview and how you've perceived the purpose of life or what you were about or what, how you viewed society. It's a very broad scoped question. You can go any direction you want with it. And I know you will. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's easy decade by decade. (laughs) Wow. Well, it's really 20. So the kind of the quick, maybe I like, kind of the idea of because I've been noticing myself lately at the age of 67 now going back to my my 13-ish sort of self and saying okay now that I've done all of this sleuthing for all these decades what do you think like I'm going back to him because he was before all that yeah and then he got put into this kind of mindset at like the end of high school of like oh crap I've got to get out of this little fun zone of school and I got to go be in the real world and so that started me on a lot of really uh, intense seeking, truth seeking and so forth. And um, it was scary. It was intimidating to me because my parents, in a way, it was good. My parents didn't really program as much. They, they were the mindset that, well, you know, I think Dr. Spock or something at the time 
it was in a consensus view and it was like oh just sort of let your kids grow themselves you don't have to get too authoritarian about them and they weren't really very dogmatic people anyway and so then i'm left sort of to have to make it all up myself or sort of go out and re review everything for myself and that became pretty intimidating at first and i was embarrassed or scared that people were going to find out that i how little i knew and um like i should know more or i should have some sense of what's going on so it's taken me a long time to kind of get a point of view that i felt comfortable with so I would say growing up, I was pretty easygoing and fun loving and sort of poking fun at authorities and not finding a lot of authorities that I thought was all that respectable, really. It all seemed kind of, you know, people just making stuff up and doing the best they could. And I guess I was looking for something that seemed <clears throat> like it was uh, solid. And I wasn't finding a lot. It looked like humans were sort of cartoonish a lot and inconsistent. And in a way, I, I was okay with that. The inconsistency of how people cobbled together their stories was kind of intriguing to me and funny. But as I got older, I wanted to sort of, I decided I wanted to be logical and wanted to have things make sense in some sort of a, a solid way. And I found that to be difficult. I still kind of see the world. I guess you could say, fast forward, whatever I found, it looks like we're in this cosmic soup of lots of messages and lots of thoughts and lots of thought forms that want to manifest. And it's a kind of a grand point of view, uh, kaleidoscope parade. And it sort of catches, catch can and cherry pick as you go. And there's lots of realities being created in this world. This world seems to allow for a platform where very, very many realities can, can construct or at least attempt to construct simultaneously and then in some ways they leave each other alone and in some ways they invade each other and it's it's a funny play and i don't know that it's got any real resolution to it it's a duality play and it's vast and intricate and complicated and magical it, it has ways of really being there in synchronous ways that are profound and and uh surprising and relieving and in other ways it's really a struggle and difficult and it's unpredictable so i don't know i guess i've come back to that 13 year old self really and, and he kind of had it he just didn't know he had it and now i kind of see it more consciously merging myself across those spectrums how's that for an answer <laughs> very aquarian yeah <laughs> i think that ability to be so comfortable and like you said confident with looking at all the competing viewpoints and thoughts that's very aquarius that's very aquarian because not everyone is able to just not only actually be able to see all of it and be able to identify that they're different from each other and then to just sit there and, and be okay with it. Like to just yeah. be like, all right, well, everybody's doing their own thing. Like, wow, you chose to do that. Okay. <laughs> like that's yeah, cool. I can it's actually on you. remember. I, and there's a scene I recall again where I was sitting on a park bench and I was probably eight or nine or something like that. And there was an old man sitting next to me and I don't think I even knew him. And he starts striking up this conversation. I'm like, 
I would just like sort of grin. The cosmic me was grinning inside, going, "Here it goes. Here, here comes the story." And <laughs> you know, he's gonna he's gonna make it sound like it's all a story that all sort of fits and makes sense. And I'm gonna be going, "Yeah, but you know, he's making that up, and he's cherry picking that, and that doesn't really fit with that, but he's making it fit." And something in my sort of cosmic mind, the Aquarian sense, could easily take that in in a sort of a delightful way and not take it too seriously. And also find it amusing and also sort of validate and that he's perfectly, really valid. He can make it up however he wants to, which is kind of fun. We all do. We make stuff up. And that's where it gets the kind of people like it for me and the kind of people don't like it. Because if I, if I get in there for too long and I really stretch up when their storyline too much, then they start to realize I'm scrutinizing it better than they are. And that becomes uncomfortable because there's there's the wanting to just play your life and just be the character and be in it in the moment in the spontaneity and not overthink it. And then I come along and go, oh, let's like download this and really put it all together and tell me about how that part fits with that part and how do you do that and you know all that. And I think it's just fun, but that can be overwhelming. Not if they've got strong Aquarius too, because I feel like Aquarius really gets Aquarius. And I've, I've found that when I interact with people that don't have a lot of Aquarius, they find me to be very offensive too. Like, why yeah. are you looking so closely yeah. at me? I'm like, to me, that's a, that's part of it. It's like, you are this container of experiences and I want to dissect you, you know? And it's yeah. just for my pure enjoyment <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the other thing is that at best, people come away with feeling like they see themselves better. Because if I'm reflecting them clearly and they're in the muddle of their own selves, then they go, wow, I can now appreciate myself in a more holistic way, which is cool. Like it makes them feel better, really. We'll get into more of the wounding aspect, but that would be more of like the gift of your Chiron and Aquarius is being able to really objectively and clearly see the spaciousness of somebody's experience. And that is a gift that you're offering them because most people can't see it when they're right there in the thick of it. The wounding thing is an interesting question to me, uh, and now I'm seeing it from another vantage point, where when I was about 13, so it's interesting that time comes again, um, and I was becoming a guy, a young man, and then I'm separating naturally from my mother, who was kind of a quiet person. She's a Virgo, but not very demonstrative and not very curious, pretty much into herself a lot. Maybe curious, but she kept it inside. But anyway, I sensed that there was something going on with her internally, my mother, where she was un kind of uncomfortable with herself and overwhelmed, essentially. She had issues if it looked like too much confusion inside herself, and that was troubling to her, and that made me back off. So instead of being this Aquarian, well, mom, let's talk about it. I mean, I tried a little bit with her, but you could see she didn't want to go there. Mm -hmm. And so then I'm like, well, you don't want to play? Then that's okay. You don't want to play. And then I was also kind of protective. I think something in me knew that the world gets very complicated inside of everybody. And if you're young and you're impressionable, like I felt at the time, then I could have, I felt afraid I'd get swallowed by her complexity. Mm -hmm. And so out of defense, I wanted to preserve my own sense of ease and getting myself sort of integrated and stable rather than getting swallowed by her. I felt, well, eventually I'll kind of get my act together and then we can interact more dynamically down the road. But, you know, you kind of got to work on your stuff and I'll work on my stuff and let's not, not get too, you know, turbulent <laughs> in the middle of that. And since she wasn't good at reaching out and initiating, 
And my little attempts to initiate showed like, no, she doesn't really want to play. Then I just backed off and I self-protect. I find that very interesting. So that sounds a lot like my experience in the way of reacting to people not wanting to play. Sort of being like, oh, well, cool. Then if you don't want to do it, I'm going to go find somebody else that does, or I'll just wait until you do. And at some point, sometimes people come around and sometimes people don't, but that is a very Aquarius way of going about things. It's like not forcing the issue with people, not making people face their thing. You're always going to help them face it because your existence creates the mirror for them. So sometimes what I've, what I've realized in my experience is like just me existing is a mirror and then some people look at me and they're like oh hell no like no (laughs) immediately no i'm walking the other way and some people are very excited to meet themselves through me and and likewise for me and but that's that's really interesting and i think it's an interesting play too between the cancer energy in your chart so and looking at your chart i think you have jupiter and cancer i don't know and Alyssa has it and but you have some very strong placements there my north node is there oh and your south node is also there so your our nodes yours and mine are opposite each other so where you came into this life having full knowledge of cancer energy I came into this life to learn about it and the opposite for me. So where I have a lot of lifetimes in Capricorn, that's the, the energy that you came to experience and to reach toward. The cancer energy has to do with the mother as well. So it's interesting that you have this, that was a really poignant relationship in your life with your mother and how she responded to the world. And you can go I'll have you go more into the, to it. But first I wanted to say, I find it very deep that at 13 years old, you had some sense of awareness that you had this naivety that you wanted to kind of preserve for your own experience. You know, you didn't want to be tainted by whatever your mother's trauma or her complexity, as you called it. I feel like knowing her story, and I'll have you go into that in a minute, that she did have a very traumatic experience with life, you know? So it's interesting to hear you talk about it because you talk about it in a very Aquarian mm-hmm. way, but it does have, it does relate to your South Node in Cancer, which is in your seventh house, the house of the relationship. So it's like the relationship of the mother is a very important piece of your chart. My parents divorced. I saw that sort of coming. I was okay with them separating. I almost went with her, but she decided to move away on her own, like 80 miles away. And she was troubled and she tried to commit suicide a few times. And she thought she could maybe get her act together by going back to someplace she felt comfortable and so forth. We visited her a couple of times and she was not really present. It was odd, it was kind of eerie. I still felt that, you know, she'll get her act together and I'm kind of too young to figure it out right now. So, you know, live and let live. And then she died. She died when I was like just about to go into high school. And I'm like, what? You're just going to die? You're just going to like give up the whole thing? And that's it? That's, that's the end of it? I'm like, I was, wait a second. I thought, you know, you were going to figure it out. I think you were that bad off. And you know, then we'd work it out. 
And so I was really disappointed. I was really mad, really. I was like mad at her for like, oh, you're just gonna wimp out and just stop playing. That scene, that sucks. And then it was later that I started to feel, you know, remorse and guilt and whatever, loss and those kinds of things. But the, it's interesting that by losing her, she sort of played this sacrifice character. So she checks out at a pivotal stage of my upbringing where if she would have stayed in and she was really involved with me, I would have gotten a lot of her programming and a lot of her how to do the world and how to do culture and how to be nice to women, and how you should be, you know, a father and how you should be with your, you know, your wife and what the world and all of that dogma would have been way thicker and heavier in me to deal with, way stickier. And in a way, she just said, you know, I'm going to just check out and you get to make it up on your own. And that was like an unusual then role for me to play where it's like, wow, I really do have to make it up. I mean, that's really creative for myself, sort of from the ground up because I'm not being given the programming here. Mm -hmm. So that's an interesting opportunity I was given. Well, in a sense, you already had the programming because your self-node being in cancer in the house of the mother you already experienced it over many, many, many lifetimes. So you didn't need that from her. Yeah. You had an yeah. intuitive knowing about it, whether you knew it or not. That's the yeah. self node. You come at this life with the wealth of many lifetimes yeah. of knowledge of that energy. Yeah. yeah, I think that's true, actually. I tried to, you know, like you go kind of from person to person to see what they've got and what kind of potential you have for learning and, and gaining from them. And I kind of scanned my mom multiple times over time. And I just was like, you know, there's not really a lot going on there. And that's okay. I can't force it. And so I kind of let her be. And uh, she let me be. She wasn't antagonistic. She just didn't show up much. Chandra was talking about how this Aquarius side knows how to sort of hold back and be detached and not be too imposing. But there was a time when my daughter was maybe 13, 12, something like that. And she was running some kind of chronic low grade attitude toward me. And I didn't really get it. It didn't really make any sense. And I tried the experiment. I mean, I constantly thought, okay, this time I'm going to push. Because I know I could push through this thing right here. I, but I decided to call on it one day. And so she and I in the laundry room, she, you know, she's sitting on the dryer and I'm, you know, sitting there next to her or something. And I gently but persistently pushed her to face what she was actually going through uh -huh. so that we could deal with if there was really something there. Let's look at what's actually there because all of this off-gassing of whatever this weird innuendo weird feeling is doesn't really get to it, right? So why don't we just get to what it really is? And when we really, and we got to the breaking point where she actually did shift and she was able to kind of, and she's Aquarius, and she was able to pull out of it and kind of have a little giggle and realize that she's running some kind of funny program. And she was able to like, <laughs> feel relief actually and like wow you're not the bad guy and I'm not the bad guy and that was a funny thing and now I'm out of it so that's kind of cool so you can sometimes push doesn't always work but you can sometimes you know make your way through if you feel it's worth it it's tricky though because it can really go badly as well 
yeah. what a beautiful gift so as having your north node in capricorn that you came to learn father energy so wow. one of the things you came to learn is how to be a dad so Alyssa and i both share aquarius moons and i think that makes us uniquely qualified to be really good moms because we're able to do what you just described with our kids listen witness see not really judge like yeah we're judging it because we're assessing like where it fits in the grand scheme of things mm -hmm. but we're also allowing it and then we're helping them to do that process mm -hmm. for their for themselves and if they agree with our judgment cool if they don't that's fine too but at least they have a very good solid logical base for moving forward in life and being independent leaders in the world well yeah, and having, and having the having the opportunity to self-scrutinize in a way that's good that's positive yeah i was gonna say how valuable is that to have modeled that process with her so it becomes a tool in her in her tool belt that she realizes like oh i don't have to i don't have to be stuck in an attitude or a thing that doesn't have to become my identity i can actually pick it apart and find that you know there was more gold underneath you know but i think yeah, it's yeah. the ability to see it the fact that you were able to see it and not take it personally that made that difference because i know a lot of my experiences being a teenager and taking on those attitudes i felt like my parents kind of took my attitudes really personally and then it made it worse you know it kind of made it kind of made it like they're they are the bad guy you know because now they're you know it just kind of perpetuated the attitude that i was in rather than you know kind of neutralizing it picking it apart and then that becomes a way that she now has a tool to do that for herself so i think that's really beautiful and you did it in such a nurturing objective way uh, with my wife who was also virgo we were married for 25 years and one of the cute funny things was going into the marriage she had weight issues and i met her when she was heavy and that was okay at the time and part of me was like fine i didn't i didn't have a judgment about it i was okay if she was heavy but another part of me was kind of aesthetically, you know, had my spin. Maybe it's a cultural thing. Maybe it's just my aesthetics, you know, a sense of health or something, a sense of playfulness, lightness in the world. And so before we got married, she said, well, you know, because I checked with her, I said, now about the weight thing, I'm not sure I really want to be with someone who's heavy their whole, my whole life married to them. And what do you think? And she goes, oh, no, I don't, I don't want to be heavy either. I'm going to take care of this. This is not my identity. I'm going to work it through. Well, then, you know, two decades later, you know, and she hasn't really worked it through and she's changing. She's maybe she's becoming more honest with herself and realizing, you know what, maybe this weight thing is my personal, you know, axe to carry or whatever, and it's not going to go away and I can be comfortable with it and I don't need to change and I'm okay with it now. So she kind of changed the rules on me, you know, <laughs> and so then she didn't want my help after that. She didn't want me you know, being supportive and asking questions and seeing how it's going and, you know, what's the latest. And she didn't want any that. She's like, it's my thing. I don't want you shining any of your mirror in on me because I'm doing it myself. Now. So you realize after a while, people don't want your insight, even if it's good insight. They want to do it at their own rate and they want to discover yeah. it at their own process. And they don't want to have somebody there. It's kind of like 
if I'm a really good math student and a younger math student likes me at first because I like we talk math and after a while the young math student doesn't want me around because I'm always going oh well do it that way and do it that way and oh here's the answer he doesn't want help he wants to go solve it himself let me do my project you know so. yeah I feel like the objectiveness I've run into challenges with more intimate relationships be, that being an issue where it's like it's valued to a certain point and it's especially valued when it's just a, a more limited exposure to it but the more the exposure is I find that there is it almost will con conjure up kind of resentment energy and so I have to kind of turn it off like okay that you know it's but it's taken me a while to realize that that's kind of the attribute that was it can be a little grating you know, if, if exposed to it for too long. It depends on the, the aptitude for it and the, the appetite for it, because if it's two mm -hmm. cancers, like you and I talk, we keep going on and on, you know, yeah. it doesn't seem like, and we don't get really offended by it. We right. can have pauses because we're busy. We can't deal with it right now. because not really that important. It's interesting. We can come back to it later. So that seems to be not like that to me is fun. Like you are what my mother couldn't be. She yeah. couldn't do this. She had to keep it in and hide it and she couldn't express it. So it's like, you can't really play very well with that. Yeah. Where you're willing to, to try it, to do it. And you're not, you know, intimidated by it. So it's like, yay, that's good. That's exactly it is because for us, it's fun. And exactly yeah. what you're saying, you're talking about play. You're talking about yeah. fun. You're talking yeah. about all of the things that we like to geek out on <laughs> Yeah. for us. They're yeah. really, really exciting, like diving into the in-between of a thought and like opening it up and then seeing what's yeah. in there and then seeing that there's <laughs> yeah. a whole world in there and then like yeah. diving into the world within that, like, oh yeah. man, like, let's just do that yeah. for the rest of my life. But then like, yeah. you know, yeah. 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 even my daughter well, is like, geez, it. mom. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, my kids will too. It can be kind of a bummer if things are overexposed. Like I had a woman, She's a librarian, actually, and she kind of got uh, dialed in on me like I was maybe somebody that, you know, she was going to, you know, fall in love with. And I was friendly and, you know, I liked her and we hung out. And at one point she said, you know what I want? I really want to be known. I want to be known completely. And I kind of chuckled at that, you know, like, okay, we'll see how that goes. And then, you know, at one point she was going through <laughs> turbulence. She wanted me to listen to her and stuff. And like, and she was telling actually three or four different stories simultaneously, like I'm seeing, like going on the big screen of her life and going, okay, now here's this, I'm getting the schematics now. Like, okay, she's got this part, she's got this part, all these parts. And I'm kind of thinking, okay. And then I, after she said her say, because she wanted to have like 15 minutes, like where I didn't interrupt. Said, okay, give me your download. And then at the end of like, okay, so what do you want me to say? You know, you say you want to be known. Well, how much do you want me to really get in on which of these topics? Because you're giving me a lot of information here. And it turned out she didn't want to be totally known. She wants to, you know, cherry pick. She wants certain stuff to be revealed and certain stuff to not be revealed. And, you know, like, yeah. so she had a lot of guardedness, actually, even though in an emotional way, I really want to be known. Maybe she was really talking sort of, unconsciously sexually like she wants to be you know she wants the big gestalt on some you know love level or something like that i don't know she couldn't describe it very well she's a little tongue-tied so that we had trouble that way she thought she was she actually said i think you've met met your match like she was my match 
And something in me, that's, you know, I don't know how you know these things. It's like, I don't think so. I really think you want me, you know? <laughs> and it, it turned out to not go well finally, but, you know. Yeah. How interesting. So this takes us back to the Chiron, because to me, that's a very, that describes your gift in relationship to others, because Aquarius is very much about the relationship with with the collective and the relationship with every individual person and that you did something for her you gave her clarity about who she was and who she wanted to be so she didn't really know what she wanted until she met you and then she started to realize or at least you started to help her realize that what she had said wasn't really what she wanted she wasn't really being clear enough or specific enough. She didn't really want to be known fully, right? But what a beautiful gift and just by your existence to give her that clarity. And that's, that's the gift of Aquarius. That's the gift of Chiron and Aquarius to provide other people clarity as to their ideal world. Uh, penetrates the illusion. <clears throat> yeah, bingo. And the problem is that people are running a storyline. She had a storyline she was making up. In fact, she was getting synchronicity. She was talking to people, psychics, and, and she was making it all this big story up that I was going to leave my wife and I was going to go with her. And then, and she's not really telling me, she's playing it out sort of through innuendo and through gesture and through gifts and through, you know, flirtatiousness and stuff. And I'm watching all this unfolding and I'm going, well, this is interesting. And, you know, if you try to like, you know, pointed out to her, this is funny, we're all making stuff up, and now you're making this up, that's interesting, but it's, you're making it up, and it's your interpretation, not mine interpretation, so we could talk interpretation, and, you know, she was really identified with the script she was making up and included me, and so then my chuckle didn't show up very well, right, it looks like I'm being, you know, dismissive, or disrespectful, yeah. or, or something, yeah. slighting her, you know, and so that becomes difficult, too. It but that's where the wounding comes in that's yeah. where your gift becomes a wound to you because people are not perceiving it as a gift yeah. and that's what yeah. chiron does is you're identifying things somewhere wherever your chiron lies and you're bringing that into the world as this beautiful expression of how we we could be or should be and other people are seeing it like no I don't want to see what you're saying like thank you but I'm good in my place yeah. I'm good with yeah. my whatever yeah okay so there's a there's a woman that found me on Facebook she picks me out of Facebook somehow she's on some thread and I was on some thread and she picked me out and wanted to friend me and she's her birthday is November 24th so she's Sagittarius, Sagittarius. Mm -hmm. and she's highly identified with Sagittarius too and she knows that Sagittarius is really challenging um, like she's super artistic she's super spontaneous she's edgy she's things come out of her before she checks them and then they can be really problematic because they're loaded and they're they're off color they're they're sophisticated in strange ways they piss people <laughs> off and I'm the other I'm where okay, now that you've said that, let me really like sit with that and reflect on that. And what did you actually mean by that? You know, like I don't judge them. Like, okay, let's talk about that part right there. So you did that. That could mean a lot of things. What that means. 
And she ends up feeling very defensive and like I'm backing her into a corner and I'm, I'm pushing her and I'm analyzing her and I'm making her life very difficult by all these questions and why can't we just have fun? You know, <laughs> and I turn to her. This is fun. This is fun because we're clarifying. <laughs> this is about clarifying, so I can be clear who you are, be clear who I am, and we can be clear. Right. And she and she can snap out of it. But her first thing is, oh my God, I'm being scrutinized. I'm being analyzed. I'm being judged. I'm being, you know, having to defend myself and justify myself. And I, I don't like doing all of these things. You know? And it's probably the conditioning of getting that response from people from showing up the way that she shows up. It'd be interesting. I wonder where her, where would her Chiron be? Chandra Capricorn? That that sounds like a Chiron in Sag. The end of Sag. Because it sounds like she shows up in the Sagittarius, but then her wound is also there because she shows up with this excitement and this freedom. Like she wants to explore an adventure, but her wounding in that has come off and wounded other people and so then she feels wounded in expressing it and gets really defensive over it and then has to backtrack and you know so that's really interesting and she can she can she can see it too she can say you know my sign as much as i identify with it it's trouble and it's caused me a lot of problems you know in this birthday book you know this book the subtitle of her november 24th is the day of contentious conviviality contentious <laughs> conviviality so What's she's con- vivacious she wants to be social she wants to play but then she's she's innately contentious in her delivery <laughs> so uh, you know it's gonna be it's gonna be a mess in there and then the people that really kind of get it and forgive her and can play in there because they're detached enough or something then you know she has people that can hang on with her but a lot of people just get real and she's got fire right she's got mutable fire so she's fiery and she's spontaneous and you know, quirky and stuff. And some people, a lot of people just have to drop off. And she's so tired of people just moving away and giving up on her and not giving a reason. Uh, you know? mm, that's very interesting. <laughs> I find that I identify with that, that uh, wounding in a little bit. So it's the desire to play, but people losing interest and then feeling like, weren't we on an adventure together here like yeah. what, what happened and, and then she's got a piece too she's got a piece about unconditional love and she says it and it's funny when he's trying to really say how do you define unconditional love and you know you got this issue too Alyssa. about uh-huh. you know there's a, right. i'd love to talk to you more about that too because if there's a hard space uh, or soul space of unconditional love where you're like you know i can really write it through with being open-hearted to you know others and that's what my intention is my ideal or my basic way i want to be in the world is to be open-hearted and um think the best and sort of optimistic you know right from the ground running and then later it becomes like well i have to get rid of you and i have to get rid of you but i'm still unconditionally loving you know (laughs) somehow they still feel i really am unconditionally loving but i have to remove you because you're bad news like, well, that's not really unconditional, then that's conditional. So I'm trying to kind of pin her down, and she doesn't really want to be pinned down, you know, because she likes the feeling of her relationship to unconditional love on some level, and she doesn't really want that bubble burst. But I said, why don't we call it uh, another term rather than unconditional? And I was trying to come up with other terms. And I feel like the, the 
bridge between Sagittarius and Aquarius is they both really do like that higher perspective. And they like to explore the mind and the philosophies and the ideas, you know, so there is a compatibility there with that. But the Sag, it's a mutable sign. So it is very changeable. And that's just the nature of it. And it's okay. You know, it's same with Gemini. It's very mutable. Part of what attracts me to her, frankly, is that she, right from the get-go, looked like she raised my wound around, here's a crazy lady. And she wants to come in and mess up my life by being crazy in ways that I'm not going to be able to really work it out because she's just goofy. Uh And, you know, after a while, if you're just going to keep being unpredictable and um, unaccountable, then it becomes, maybe I don't want to play there so much. It's amusing, but it's not really a relationship. You're just sort of being dumped on. And something about me wants accountability. In Although I know it's a funny cosmic, cosmic quirky play we're in, it's all sort of hit and miss and uh, nonsensical in a way, but something in me looks for and longs for some amount of ability to go back to whatever happened. Not that you do it right the first time, but that you can go back and go, okay, let's review that. What happened there? And what do you think made all that happen? And what's your accountability? What did you really want to have happen? And can we kind of clean that up and learn from that thing? Cause it's kind of a weird little explosion there that didn't make any sense to me. Is that it? We're just going to make explosions and, you know, annoyances with no way to come back around and review. So, so that's, well, that's kind of the thing I'm learning. She can actually do that to some extent. It's still not my ideal. She's still hit and miss and comes and goes and changes the subject and doesn't come back around and forgets point is it's helping me have compassion for crazy what is crazy why am i avoiding crazy so my mother was crazy i avoided it well now that i'm 67 can i look at crazy can i be okay with crazy what does it even mean how bad is it so you know i'm i'm able to kind of be this is she's new a new version of like okay let's try this version of crazy is it crazy she sort of admits it i'm kind of crazy but i'm not mad and she laughs and then she mm. flips off into some other subject and plays hard oh. to get. And it's, it's your, it's your North node in Capricorn that wants that stability that, that needs a little bit more stability than the really intense Sag energy that she's bringing to you. But it's that Sag energy that's asking for your unconditional love for you to see it yeah. and, and just be with it also and i think i'm getting that i'm getting that and i can i can honor that and that's the teaching for me too that okay there is a level at which you don't have to judge it in a way that's going to cause problems with the other you can smooth it out and you can you know withhold if it's not the right time to really present that question because it's not really that important you know and you know be softer about it just like you know that you we all make our own stories you can just totally ignore the parts of her that you don't like. That is a choice yeah, that you can make. Like, yeah. I get that it doesn't make so much sense in the Aquarian way of looking at it because we have the ability to see all of it at the same time, but you can still choose it. And that makes it more unconditional love than not. Cause then you're just allowing the parts that you don't like because what you don't like might also just be weird programming from other stories yes 
So I'm taking my programming. Why do I have that reaction? Is that really real or can I update it? Like one of my issues with astrology, frankly, is it looks like it's a template for here's your operating system, more or less. And that can become an excuse. It can become almost like a victim thing. Like, well, I'm just my astrology. So, you know, hey, I just do this because, you know, it's written there and that's the way I made up. That's my, my hard drive. My, you know, my programming is just that. It's my default. And that's just the way I am. Take it or leave it. Where I've also heard that astrology can be seen as a basic template that can also be evolved beyond. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's it's That's there as like yeah. And it's there as a springboard. And when you know thyself, when you know the template that you're standing on, that's when you actually open up the infinite possibilities of well, where do I want to jump using this springboard? Exactly. It's just a base. Yeah. That the way I see it, it's a base. Yes, of course, I have programming and I have all these things, but like they're not going to limit me. But then I have a lot of energy in Sag and Aquarius, which is my base is there is no way you're going to possibly limit me because like, then we're going to have a problem. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. yeah. But also part, a lot of what you just shared, Steve, was um, it's a big part of the Chiron in Aquarius. It's having to really filter and check what's coming into your programming because that's where your wound is and if you if you just allow things to come in unfiltered unchecked that can actually create a lot of problems for your system so that's part of your self-preservation that you've probably learned over time and I actually want to dive into the next question of one of the attributes of Chiron in Aquarius is that they can be susceptible to like brainwashing of belief systems, but also like the hive mind and the group, you know, when you're in the group think it's like the Chiron and Aquarius has this antenna and it picks up on all of it, but it can actually start to weigh down and create a lot of noise within your own system that you have to then decipher through and pick apart and discern. So has that been an issue in your life experience where you've gotten caught into like brainwashing belief systems or rigidity of ideals or mental constructs that you then had to kind of like sift through and sort it out and throw it away? When we look at the quality of me, um, the good thing that I think I've done sort of naturally, like for example, in eighth grade, I had to go to a new school from a, I went to a private a boarding school in 10th grade, which is fine, but only for, for boys. And then I went back to a public school in eighth grade. And so I found myself in eighth grade kind of like noticing that people were in click and kind of going from click to click and spending some time in a click and kind of feeling like what it feels like to be in there and talking their talk and getting their downloads. And then realizing, okay, I kind of got that one. And then I go to the next click and kind of get in there and, you know, put that on and feel that out. And okay, I kind of got that. And I didn't really find a click. It's like they all look like they become um, narrowly self-reinforcing and exclusionary. And my thing's kind of so big, it's like, well, look, it's all combined here. So, you know, I can't just stay there because that's sort of becoming constricted. And yeah. so I'd go from group to group. And then I've gone from discipline to 
uh, study groups, to schools, to one time, no, I think I was like in my mid-20s. I went to USC one day and I thought I would look into their film school. Like maybe I was gonna, like I'm always looking for my purpose, right? Trying to, you know, not, you know, nail it down some clear purpose so I can really know what I'm doing. And I thought maybe making films is what I could do. And um, while I was there that day, there was a, a group that was representing the unification shirt. It was called CARP. I don't even know what it means. And the unification shirt is kind of a weird version of uh, some, you know, Asian guy thinks he's the second coming or something of Jesus and he's creating this religion. And I didn't know anything about it, but I was open and I'm, you know, speaking and these people looked like they were nice and friendly and fun and smart and clean and, and so they invited me to come to one of their uh group meetings uh, after you know that day and i ended up staying with them 40 days like i i suspended my job which somehow the universe let me <laughs> suspend my work and i stayed with them for what the heck maybe i'll find god and show it to me and so they said, if you stay for 40 days, God will reveal himself. I'm like, okay, good. So I stayed and I went through all the emotions. And by the end, I was pretty much thinking, maybe I'll, maybe this is it for me. Maybe I'll stay and I'll be one of these people. And I had some people on the outside who were saying, well, you might want to leave for a while just to see what it's like to you know, be outside. And then you can make a fresh choice, that thing. And so I did leave and I didn't, I didn't stay. And so, but I got that I can be very, you could say gullible in the short run because it's a way to really set aside my interference patterns to really soak in, yeah. hopefully without being too, you know, spun and really get, so give me the download while I'm suspending my own judgment here. And that can get to be, you know, preoccupying and disorienting, you know, yeah. before you really sort of get it in place, you know. I think we have that in common with our chirons in an air sign with the mental thing and the quest, like the insatiable quest for information because Chiron and Gemini and Chiron in Aquarius both have that. It's like, I just want information. I want the download of information. And in order to really get a pure download, you do have to suspend your own like judgments and thoughts about it to really see it from their point of view but then you can get stuck you know then you can actually yeah. lose that part of yourself that was discerning and saying this isn't for me it's like it got suspended it's over there on the shelf you know and you're going off of the group think and the ideas of the you know the whole group or for example with with this person um, there are times i notice where she will say something and it's texting, and we, we know texting is fraud, you know, because it's so easy to misinterpret text and so forth. But anyway, she will say some things that will stick in my dang brain for the day. I'll be working, and I, I tend to work alone. I'm painting, or I'm repairing something, or something. I'm all on my own, and, and my little brain will just chew on that thing. It will preoccupy me in a way that isn't comfortable, and I'm I'm kind of bothered, and I. I can't quite figure out why I'm bothered, but something about this really kind of got me. And so, yeah, this can be very problematic because you're so willing to just kind of take this dang thing in and you're wrestling with it and you think you can figure it out and you're, you're determined, but it's really got you. Yeah. I can go for a while of being really preoccupied with something that's disturbing and I can't quite integrate or make sense of it. And that can be, that can be moody for me. 
Yeah. yeah, the ideas really take momentum. I think we all share this. My Mercury is in Libra retrograde in my seventh house. So I understand it. When I get into relationship, I do what you do, you two do, which is I suspend all of my ideas about whatever I think relationship means and all of the things that I think. And then I just take it all in. And then it gets to a point where I'm like, oh, shit, where am I now? Because now I got lost in a different world and I lost my path and I got away from my own path. And then I have to somehow like sort of like shut it out for a minute and come back to my path and then be like, oh oh that's where i was <laughs> yeah. and meanwhile they thought you were all in agreeable and you're like, <laughs> right. oh, we get along so well and we agree on everything and she's just so flexible and so agreeable and so wonderful i love it and they're like, they're like wait a second by the way there's all these things I'm, if i'm gonna really now obsess <laughs> with you there are all these things that are really not like me it's okay that's how you are but I'm, thank you for letting me see it and try it on it's really not my upset yeah so in some ways we're we're suckers for the adventure of the meandering path of the mind uh, and yeah. we go on it yeah. and we allow ourselves because that's something that's very very intriguing and fun for us because it's the way that we mirror reality for other people and the way we look at reality and the way we assess it and the way we process it and the way we digest it and chew on it and all the things but then we come back to our own path, which we always have because we have strong Aquarius energy. We will never have a path that is the same as somebody else's. Mm. Like it is what it is. So then we come back to our path. Then we, we take assessment of the entire thing. And that's where I think it's the abrasiveness because then other people are like, wait, you lied I to thought me. you were over here with me. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you like lied I was just... to me. <laughs> But That's I was just actually... experiencing you in a very pure, like unadulterated way. That was a gift, you know, it was a gift, but I guess where people get attached to that and they want it all the time is where it can become a wounding of like, but I want it now. It's like, but you know, my curiosity well, or I've gotten the download or. <laughs> and, and check this out. The, the, the little trickiness we're doing here, I think, which maybe isn't totally forthcoming. And I don't know if you could do it by being forthcoming, really. It's almost like you have to, well, there's an advantage to letting the other person think that you're really amazingly agreeable and amazingly non-judgmental. And wow, they can just then be free to totally download. And that's great. Whereas if you said up front, here's what I'm really like. I'm a person who can appear very detached and very non-judgmental and very non-analytical. And I could just totally take you all in. But the thing is, eventually I am going to have my own assessment of it. And you may not like that. Yeah. And that, you know, how do you start that game? Because they're right away, they're gonna start thinking, oh, I don't know if I can trust this. This looks like it's gonna have danger later. So it's a little bit of a, you know, you're, you know, you're not really saying the whole, you know, agenda up front. And in a right. way that does put them kind of at a disadvantage, maybe. I think also- that's I think that's the wounding because I actually do what you just said. I tell people up front who I am. I'm like, this is what oh. I this is how I am because I know myself really well and I'm really confident. I have an Aries rising, like I am very selfish in a way. Every it, like uh-huh. I do things for me and I don't care. Like you don't like it, that's cool. Like it's fine. Yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah. 
I'm good. <laughs> so that, <laughs> so I do. And it's funny because I've actually had experiences where guys in, in relationship, I've, I've heard them say, you know what, you actually, you did tell me this about you way back then. And I'm like, yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> so you were warned. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. but we all have to go on the adventure yeah. together yeah. to see if maybe because if they haven't experienced somebody like us, right, who can have the ability to completely withdraw whoever we are in order to immerse ourselves in the experience of who they are, that's very Aquarius, right? Yeah. But we have that gift because that's how we understand the other to become yeah. the other, to put ourselves yeah. in their shoes completely. That's yeah. amazing. But yeah. then but then we come back to who we are because that's our journey. We go out into the world and then we come back. And it's a we, it's an interesting like hermit mode. And then we go out and then we go back yeah. to hermit. Yeah. But how would they know if they like that? They wouldn't unless they've experienced it before. So even if we say it up front, it's still doesn't different than it. the experience. Yeah. It still doesn't really do it's maybe some people would be like no no I also tend to attract people who like a challenge because that's how I am so then when I say I'm just telling you right now you're probably not going to like me in the end they're like try me right because <laughs> that's how I am <laughs> I'll like, show you challenge that accepted right but at the same yeah. time sure some people might say no yeah you know what never mind like let's not even start <laughs> but it yeah. still doesn't or maybe maybe fair is fair and we all know it's kind of a cosmic you know dance and if i'm gonna if somebody's gonna open up and i can ask them questions and they're gonna, they don't have to answer anything and if they want to keep it's funny how people what i notice is people are so hungry to tell their story yeah. that i'm willing to listen to their story and everyone would really kind of you know egg them on like okay great and then what happened what did you do next and then Wow, and then you got there. How did you get there? And it's you know, it's been this fascination of how they actually create a life of uh, stakes and convictions and enthusiasm and persistence and all these things. And uh, to me, it's amazing that people are tenacious, really, that they, they have a strong drive, a strong dream, and they see it through through all their you know, obstacles and so forth. And so I kind of let it just start like, okay. If I can ask questions and, and get them on a roll and they are enjoying the role, then I'm assuming they're, you know, they're grown up enough to be able to take responsibility for themselves. But they do get kind of caught off guard because they get caught, they get enchanted by their own story. They're not yeah. even noticing that I'm enchanting them into their own story. Uh -huh. And they're revealing all this stuff. And they're late, but at the end, like, I'm not sure I really wanted to tell you all that, you know, <laughs> because I'm not sure who you are, you know. <laughs> so it's funny how there is that ability to kind of take advantage in a way of people's hunger for being seen and being congratulated for what they've been through and for sharing their story. A lot of the fun of the world is sharing your stories, right? And so I like to hear people's stories. But it's it's a shamanistic quality. You have a shamanistic yeah. quality about you. I think all three of us share that. We do have the ability to really receive in a very like feminine dynamic, just receive the story, but then that receiving causes 
more giving and more giving and more giving because our vessels can be so big and deep and empty and we can receive a lot and then exactly what you said happens they get enchanted by it and we also are so high processing and fast processors and intelligent that we can take it wherever we want in the subtlest ways and they won't even know that we just went off into some other place they didn't have to go with us but they did because they were so in it and the other thing that I find too is with this ability if they don't understand what is happening then they get attached to this receiving because not very many people have the ability to really listen and people like that and they maybe sometimes misinterpret that as something more because in our very detached Aquarian way we're just doing what we do now let me go back to the wounding as I'm thinking about it because you know this is what we're trying to the theme of it and so I think where maybe I get over enthusiastic or hopeful in a yearning sort of way that might be a little bit pushy is <clears throat> if my wound is with a mother I couldn't do that with I couldn't get her downloaded we couldn't be on friendly terms I couldn't help her in a way that I knew I could I knew I had the, the ability so ironically she checks out which is like the worst case scenario that's the last thing I want to have happen she checks out because she's dysfunctional in the world whatever and that's my assessment, but something like that, she derails, it goes chaotic, she has to check out, I couldn't help her. Then I then am going around the rest of my life kind of looking for hearing people's stories, which I like, and then also, inevitably, they often get to where they're stuck. They're like, well, I got this far, and now here I am, I'm here right now, and I'm on the leading edge of my story, and here's my conflicts, my challenges, and my uncertainties, and my which way to go, all my mixed messages. And that's where I kind of like to see if I can facilitate their helping them be clear about where their next step is, like help some clarity show up in a way that relieves them and excites them and reinforces them and heals them. Mm-hmm. So that's where I kind of like to take it. That's the healing for me too, is the healing for them. That's the good side of the interrogation, basically. Yeah, it's fun for me to hear people's stories. But in a way, my yearning would be, can I be actually useful mm. to you in your story development so that I can help you go, oh, I get it now. I'm so now clear that I know I want to go this way. And that becomes a gift. That's a huge gift. And who, and it's really incredible that it was your mom who gave you that gift. Who knows if things hadn't gone that direction if you wouldn't if you'd still have that same drive in your conversations and digesting people's experiences with the same intent you know if that hadn't hadn't and it brings up a sense of it being time sensitive I mean I kind of thought hey this isn't time sensitive she's spinning funny and you know she'll work it out and when I get to be you know a little older and I have a little bit more of a sense of my shamanistic abilities then we'll come back around and we're working out. But it didn't go that way. And so then that kind of made me think, oh, this is sort of time sensitive, some of this. And so then I'm kind of like looking for, okay, who's like, you know, maybe off balance and who might like to get some clarity? And can I help them right here? Because this looks like it might be some good damage control. You know, so I'm kind of looking for that too. Like, oh, this could be time sensitive and maybe I've got a part to play. Like who knows how much we're supposed to be there to be, you know, helpful for people at a certain time. This is another one of these conundrums is 
on the one hand, like the Facebook talk is, don't pay any attention to anybody else, you know, forge your own reality and, you know, don't worry about others. And then there's the stories that are like, if that person wasn't there for me right then, right that time, I would have been in really a world of hurt. So people make a huge difference in our lives and we need to really be accepting that we can really use other people, needy other people, gain from other people at certain times because if they weren't there, it would have not worked out. Right. Mm-hmm. I think this brings up the fact that your Chiron is in the second house of where the energy of Taurus. So we talked about this a while ago. My Chiron is in Taurus in my second house. So Ooh. what it feels like to me is life is constantly an earthquake. And there's a resource management issue there. There's something that I'm always concerned with making sure that we're going to have enough resources to make it to the next phase of whatever the hell and that is what you're talking about the resource of time well it's also the values it's also Mm. seeing the value of the resources as well so do you want to describe your relationship with resources now and how it's evolved over time well let me add that in too that so the story with my my parents at the time ironically and i saw this sort of like the buddha in a way and i want to brag but there's this sort of buddha mind that's watching the whole thing going ah so here are we my dad was a dentist my mother was a stay-at-home mom and we had the nicest house at the end there where it was just high ceilings and big open windows and all the good stuff and in spite of that my mother was clearly not happy and my parents couldn't work it out through marriage counselors. And my dad finally threw up his hands and said, he was a, another Virgo, and a nice guy, he meant well. But he couldn't quite figure out the confusion. Nothing he did seem to be working. And so they decided to, um, you know, cut it off. And so I'm going, okay, that's interesting. So here, we've got the nicest materialistic setup you could really want, way more than you need. And yet in all of that, you know, opulence, and pushiness and stuff and style, emotionally, they're still not happy. So it must not be about the gold pillows and the plush carpeting and all that stuff. There's gotta be something else besides that because that's not, why that, didn't, why that didn't do it for them. They were still feeling vacuous or disoriented or something. I've gone to gamut. I've gone to where I just packed a small bag and just started walking away and hitchhiking and what the fuck, I didn't care even and just living as minimally as possible to see what that was like. And now I'm in a situation where I've got a little trailer and I work for a place. I'm kind of like on a plantation almost. And, and I, I'm a surf, right? And I work at this motel and they gave me a little place to stay and I do my good work and keep my nose clean. And then I'm just always roaming around for resources because, you know, there's a motel so people leave stuff and then there's repairs and there's tools and there's supplies and there's storage and there's stuff. And, and then even the broken stuff, even the stuff that's like laying around, it's a piece of wire that's taken an interesting shape. There's something sort of aesthetic in me where it's like, well, this is an interesting random art piece. And so now I've got this yard with like, almost like a spider or a raven will gather all kinds of weird stuff. And it doesn't want to set, don't throw it away because it's sort of aesthetically interesting. It's weird. It's sort of grotesque maybe, or it doesn't fit with the next thing. But in a way it's like, this is life. Life and a lot of things cobbled together. And each one of them can be like a window into something like really intriguing or just aesthetically sort of like something you could stop and reflect about because it's got an interesting aesthetic that I couldn't have made up on my own as an artist uh, or stylist. 
This is what nature did with human stuff. Nature and humans make weird, un, you know, unexpected, random, quirky art. Uh, and that's it's funny to me. So anyway, across the gamut, suddenly, I'm thinking resources, resources. And I know this, like when I got my divorce, I was the one left with the house. I was the one left with all the leftovers. Like they all took their stuff and left. And I'm like going through the closet and the storage and the attic. And there's, what do I do with this paper clip? And what do I do with this push pin? And what do I do with this stool? And what do I do with leftover babies? You know, there's all of these things that they've abandoned. I've left with, they left me with the cat and the dog. I'm like all these resources. And I think, well, everything's got a place. And this is where it gets you a problem too, because you're like, fuck, every dang thing. I like, I, I just want to, you know, kind of, uh, take my time enjoying everything in a sort of a savoring kind of way. But there's so many things that there are to savor. It becomes a crushing, you know, daunting, irritating, you know, thing because there's just too many things that they've got That's the thing. The openness of the mind becomes its own overwhelming problem. Yeah. So with me and resources, yeah. I can go from delight and cannabis working here too because i've been kind of a cannabis experimenter over the years not so much when i was married i played a very clean man i didn't use but then since then i've been in and out of cannabis use and cannabis can definitely take you into the magic moment and the joy and the lightness and the play and the appreciation the right super concentrated appreciation but then it can also zap you so that later you're bereft and then, like everything, looks like it's overwhelming. It's too many things. Like, I don't want the conveyor belts of infinity coming down my highway here because too much to attention to. You want to go to the back of the void or you know check out or something or grumble, grumble. There's just too much. There will too many things to care about. Yeah, it's an interesting combination. So Chiron in Aquarius is the fixed air and the second house is ruled by Taurus and Venus, which is also a fixed sign. And it's the mind connecting with the body, right? It's the master magician, but it's also the wounding with the resources. It's because the second house wounding is we can't waste anything everything yeah. is useful yeah the yeah. experience you had as a kid of like seeing things being so opulent and it's still not being enough that just seemed yeah. wasteful like yeah. what even is that and so your yeah. response to that was everything is useful and in this very beautiful eccentric Aquarius and very creative artistic that's Venus Taurus way you're able to combine this Chiron in Aquarius in the second house to create things from them it's just a beautiful melding together of the energies it's amazing yeah, I just wanted to give them space like I was a picture framer for 10 years and so I wanted to be in a place where I could aesthetically savor while I'm constructing brands and stuff for them. Because pictures are like, you know, that's special. If you're not to put in a frame, then it's not just your average image. It's something someone cares about. So then I'm like, it's a good way to kind of be around stuff that's special. And you can get really a lot of artistic aesthetic uh, training that way. Um, but what I want to say now to the wounds that I think fits in here is that one of the problems for me raising children, and we just had two kids, and, and let me preface it too, 
that when I met my wife, I was taking graphic arts classes and she was taking it too, like a night class, but she was doing kind of for advertising, she was into radio and stuff. And I met her and my first, like you're going through the class, like looking at people, wondering who you might be friends with. And I really zoned in on her and got the download. And I thought, actually, I got a message in my head that said, now there's somebody you can learn about love with. And I make me cry when I think about it. And um, I became very friendly with her and very focused with her and very playful with her. And it kind of caught her off guard because she hadn't dated that much and she was still living at home. I was five or six years older. And it took a while to adjust that I was really okay. And then we became really good buddies. But I think what I liked about her, like as a moving from mother, whatever that was about, to moving to somebody who I could maybe really get in a relationship, a constructive relationship with, was that she, and she's Virgo, and she's like, her sign is like the rock. She's August 30th. And very stable. And um, let's cut the crap. Let's be practical. Let's, and she's a very good-hearted person, very straightforward, and sort of keep it simple. Yeah. And so I was like, you know, this is good because I'm kind of wild and I, I, can, I can get chaotic and who knows what, what I'm about. And that's a stabilizing force. And so I felt like our choosing, we actually chose to get married because we also wanted to have kids. It wasn't like, I'm so in love with you, I've got to have you. By that time, after five years of dating and living together and stuff, it's like, well, are we done or is there something else we do? And we're like, I think we should, we should probably raise kids. We both want to. We can both get along with each other, and we both have kind of complementary. Like she's exactly the opposite side of the the spectrum, I think. Uh -huh. August, is she August thirtieth, March first? I mean, we're exactly opposite on the wheel. Because so, you're Pisces, yeah, you're Pisces Sun, and she's Virgo Sun. So yeah. Yeah, and so I liked what she had because she had this sort of very pragmatic um, stability. And that could kind of hold my chaos and train my chaos in a way and allow my chaos to kind of have some tether. Uh, and that worked, raising kids were like a good compliment. I was a little bit the crazy dad and the playful dad and the goofy dad. I kind of like to play, let me say absurd things so that you don't believe me. So that you have to kind of, you know, have skepticism towards your father rather than thinking I'm an authority and then you can make up your own mind, you know? Yeah. Like my daughter came to me once, when she was young, she said, so dad, everybody in school, they're talking about, you know, what religion they are. What religion are we? And she kind of laughed and thought, well, that's a good conversation. You know, we could talk about religion, but I don't have a simple name for you. Sorry. It's, you know, it's complicated. And she was disappointed. Like her programming right there just wanted to get the name. What's, the, what's our name? I've got Jewish friends. I've got, you know, Catholic friends. What are we? And I couldn't give her the simple name. And that was a little disappointing to her at the time. But the thing, then there's a fast forward, then the, the issue, and it's in Taurus, I'm trying to stand track here, is that what was the problem for me was, and it's probably the Pisces thing too, and probably the grandiosity of my thinking I can really please people without boundary, unboundary pleasing people would be my ideal. Is you real, and you pointed this out, Chandra, is that you realize that the problem with people is they are just un they will go from hunger to hunger to hunger to hunger no matter how far they get 
then there's an open next moment waiting to be filled and they're going to up the ante. And so dang it, my kids, I mean, I was a good dad. I was attentive. I was responsive. I was resourceful. I was game. I want to be playful. I want to be involved. And, you know, they, they were just exhausted because, you know, I'd never said, I wouldn't say no until finally I was just so, so exhausted. And then I get resentful, like, oh, my God, I've already given them 110%, and they're still going to ask me for more, and tomorrow's going to come, and there's going to be more. And you realize this thing is, so my worldview is kind of that, too. It's like, oh, my God, the world is just a mess of duality play. You can't solve the whole thing, no matter how hard you try. And it's going to be an endless hunger, a hunger game of everybody hungering, and who gets, whose hunger is more important, and Who's get a good end of the next hunger? And it becomes, again, like this uh, obligation or this, you see it coming. Oh, my God. There's, like, I almost guard myself. Like, we go, the, the shaman's got to live out of town because you can't take it too much, right? And then the people show up anyway. They're like, oh, you're interesting. And you're giving all this stuff. And you're funny. And you're engaging. And you're getting our downloads. And we think we'll come back again and again. You know, like, there yeah. you go. I think you gave us a really good download of the blend of the Chiron and Taurus and the Chiron and Aquarius. You, you described it in a very Aquarius way. I feel, like, <laughs> I feel like it was all of your experiences I could kind of fit into the little like classification, you know, the classifications of the different things like, oh yeah, that experience there fits here and that there fit, you know, I like, I like connecting the dots that way with the astrology. And then one more thing, maybe to, to round this out, because I think it's in there too. I noticed in one of these outlines you sent me, like I had a download when I was about nine or 10, where I suddenly found myself realizing, oh my gosh, I'm in the world. I made it. I'm here. I'm here. Wow. Wow. How, and it's sort of funny. And I'm sort of like giggling, like, yeah, I made it. Like it was almost like there was a chance I wasn't going to, but I got in. And like, <laughs> wow, this is great. This is great. And then I'm realizing that this particular life we're in now, this storyline we're in, of this arc of the world in its transitions is like an especially interesting time to be in the world. Like it's a juicy time. And like in the back of my mind, I'm like, you know, here we go. Almost like the cosmic being knows that it keeps replaying these stories in variation. Like, oh, here's this part of the wheel. Mm. Oh, good. This is a good time. This will be interesting because it's like cataclysmic and a lot of weird shit's going to go on. And, you know, yeah, you know, and it's, it's, but it's on the upswing or I don't know, there's something about it that seemed like it was worth doing, even though I knew it was going to be tumultuous and, you know, chaotic and so forth and full of suffering, but something. And so I do feel like I have my consciousness a lot kind of roaming, looking for that story. Like what is the world? How is it evolving right now? And what are the players, you know, and it's the age of Aquarius, but it's in the great reset. That's interesting. Is that going to happen? <laughs> you know, I'm like watching There's so many storylines. You're like, and then yeah. your spaciousness can tap into any one of those is like, and, and like you said, suspend your own belief system about it, go into it and then retreat and come back into yourself and then go into that storyline and and any of them feel viable you know any of them feel valid especially when you step into them and really immerse and listen to what they're saying it's like oh yeah and the more people that do subscribe into the storyline it seems like it tends to build its own momentum where it kind of part of it does start to go that way you know i'd like to take images and words as sort of like koans or little prompts that would uh, 
kind of give people a chance to shift their perception in a way that might be useful for them. <clears throat> yeah, that's very Aquarian. That's very that's very Piscean. That's very Pisces Aquarius. I mean, it's just like it is very unconditionally loving because you have a love for humanity that you want everyone to be themselves because you know that if they're themselves, they'll be happy. Like that's yeah. at the core. But yeah. then yeah. how do you help each individual person be themselves with one right. idea? And that's the Aquarius dilemma. I just said there is no one ideal because everybody's got their individual ideal. So it's like tapping people yeah. into their individual ideal and then getting them with, with the pro positive propaganda, getting their momentum going where they're bringing their own ideal to life. And then you go to the next person. If every person is bringing their own individual ideal to life without requiring anybody else, that's actually what creates the whole idea of heaven on earth i think because everybody's living in their own ideal but not having yeah. it intrude or infringe on anybody else's ideal that's, that's the that dance so it's there's this there's this struggle inside you because you want to be of service and you want to help and that's the pisces and it's the same energy in virgo in different ways the of service idea but then you struggle with the confrontation that creating a boundary would cause and that's the wounding in the second house it's like i really want to help people but my helping people causes them to attach to me and then i have yeah. to push them away and that makes me feel like crap because i really want to help them and then how are they going to take the help are they even going to take the help or not like that's that's the thing it's, it's also <laughs> yeah. it's also the wounding of aquarius though too because it ta we talked about um the last episode that aquarius has this fear of commitment because it doesn't want to limit its own individual freedom and so it talked about the healing side of that is if the chiron and aquarius person can just commit to life itself then they have this commitment to life and then they're able to show up without that fear of commitment because they've already committed to something they've committed to themselves and they've committed to life and they've committed to showing up with the gift that they are and it doesn't have to be confined to any one relationship it's for everyone you know so i think you put well, that very really well. well said you said that very well you just did my you just did me in a very nice way you know <laughs> You did me to me. It's just sort of nice to hear it. Like, ah, you really you. summed it up, <laughs> you know? Well, well, thank you for sharing your experiences with us and, and allowing us to have the conversation around a Chiron wounding that was more just this subjective idea because we don't have the personal experience. But I feel like having the conversation with you has really actually solidified um, what the gift of that Chiron can be because I think you've made a really beautiful blend of how you view the world and how you have utilized the resources in your life and you do it very objectively and you have this intent of giving and edifying somebody else through the process. So I think that's a really beautiful gift. I think that the life that you've created with all of your experiences is very beautifully blended. So thanks for sharing that with us today. All right, well, thank you for having me. We hope you are enjoying this Aquamoon 
epicness and I'm pretty sure you are otherwise you wouldn't be listening this far so if you want more Alyssa and I offer recorded readings and live coaching sessions where we can help you figure out what the heck is going on in the world and go ahead and click the link in the description of this episode or in the bio and we'll see you there Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Aquamoon Beam Dreamers. Send us your questions, comments, and feedback to our email, aquamoondreamers at gmail.com. Our next episode is going to be about Chiron in Pisces or Chiron in the 12th house, which we both have personal experience with as our kids have Chiron in Pisces, as well as... Alyssa having Chiron in the 12th yeah. so that is just awesome <laughs> <laughs> yay close to home again but yeah we'll see you again next time thanks for listening